He is the modern day Don Nealon. But Don Nealon's Mountaineers enjoy walking in where angels fear to tread. He's bought into the program. As the hills of West Virginia resound with the sounds of Golden football. It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Let them know. Leave no doubt tonight. Leave no doubt tonight. No doubt. They shouldn't have played the old Golden Blue. I was watching ESPN today and they showed a little thing about uh, our game tonight in the poll. And the whole U.S. was covered in red. And the only state, the greatest state in the nation, was covered in blue. That was West Virginia. And that's why we won this game. Trust the climb. And now, the show brought to you by Mountaineer fans for Mountaineer fans. The Country Road Webcast. Mountaineer Nation, let's ride. What's going on, Mountaineer Nation? Welcome into another edition of the Country Roads Webcast. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Cruz, with my co-host, Steven. What's going on, everybody? And Bradley. What's bopping? It's that time, ladies and gentlemen. First game preview of the year, and it's the return of the Backyard Brawl for the first time in 11 years. And this is Season 5, Episode 130 of the CRW podcast and appropriately enough this will be the 130th season of West Virginia football as well so episode 130 for team 130 if you will gentlemen yeah super exciting man it's gonna be a big one too we talking pit I think so I think so so we're gonna dive deep into pit here in a little bit but uh go through it you know still gonna hit you with the traditional segments so we'll start start it off with some off-topic babble uh what's been going on gentlemen what you've been doing uh, anything in your life you want to talk about anything outside of WVU that's still sports related you want to talk about anything you've seen anything you read hey whatever it'll just uh shoot the shit a little bit yeah i mean i pretty much just been focusing on football and you know still getting settled so i, I really had much going on i've just been yeah, watching a lot of me. preseason uh Preseason NFL football. I'm watching a lot of these Mountaineers see if they yeah, can man, get some it's, it's football season. That's all that's all on my mind right now, you know? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. You know, there's a few movies that I've been wanting to see and stuff, but instead of, you know, watching those at this point, I found myself, you know, like Steven said, either watching a preseason NFL game or uh, been going back on YouTube, of course, watching old Mountaineer games just to get ready, even watching, you know, some of last season's highlights, uh, different things like that, just, you know, ready for the game. I, you know, can't get here. Getting it here soon enough, so that's that's pretty much it for me too. I think it's just I think we're all ready for some football. Yeah, you guys were talking about it on the live show the other day. I sat back and watched the uh, the Texas game from 2018 just because I was like itching for a good one, so I went back and watched that one. Oh yeah, that's got, a great one to watch. I haven't re- I haven't ever rewatched that full game. I don't think really like since you know back then since that year. I need to do that. Yeah, seen the highlights a lot, but not the whole game. Yeah, especially with Texas assuming like a lot of people were having faith in Texas being back. I wanted to. You know, get a little taste of us putting them in their place. That's uh, definitely one of our top Big 12 games. And, you know, one of the – it's got to be, you know, one of the tops in Mountaineer history, really, when you think back on it. Well, anything else uh, for off-topic babble, gentlemen? Are you all ready to move on to some uh, Mountaineer news? Yeah. All right. Let's roll into the Mountaineer news segment. All right, so Mountaineer news segment here. This is where we hit you guys with some basketball news, some recruiting news, and some football news, respectively, whatever has been going on you know, since we last met with you guys, which at this point would have been the season prediction roundtable. Didn't really have our traditional segments for that episode, though, because you know it was a little bit lengthy, had some special guests. So um, as far as updates, we'll kick it off with the basketball side of things. Steven, any basketball news uh, for the Mountaineers? Uh, well, the Mountaineers hosted uh, three different recruits this past weekend, unofficial visits, of course. Um, all three of these are very early in the recruiting process. Uh, but Trenton Flowers, Matt Gilhole, and Ayer Malik, uh, I believe is how you pronounce that name, I hope so, um, all visited the Mountaineer program this weekend. Ayer Malik said that, um, quote-unquote, that the Mountaineer facilities look like uh, the NBA. So that's very impressive stuff. Um, but anyway, other than that uh, – we are about 20 days out from, from Bob Huggins being inducted to the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, Jerry West and Rod Thorne will be the one to induct him into the, the Hall of Fame, so that'll be cool. 
Awesome. So appreciate the basketball news there, Stephen. Always good coming with that. And um, I definitely just got to say, really excited to finally see Bob Huggins getting his due. Long overdue, but better late than never. Um, Bradley, any thoughts on the basketball news before we move on to uh, your recruiting news? Yeah, man, I thought it was super promising to have a bunch of high-end recruits coming in. You know, Bob Huggins proving why he's, you know, the GOAT. Um, yeah, man, if we could land some of them, it'd be really big for our basketball program. So, Absolutely. It's also good to hear that that money's going to get use. You know, kids are oppressed. That's what we what we put the money for, you know. Yeah, the, the upgrades and stuff should do good for the basketball recruits coming in visiting to help with the future of Mountaineer basketball. And speaking of the future of uh, Mountaineer sports, uh, recruiting news, Bradley, what do we got? for this episode, season five, episode yeah. 130. Yeah, of course, with, you know, the season kicking off, everybody's watching recruits and seeing what's going on. Um, you know, later on throughout this year, we'll have some uh, official visits coming up, and I'll be sure to cover those when they pop up. A um, couple kids I want to mention right off the jump. Uh, Jordan Louie, a running back commit we already have. He had transferred from uh, an Alabama high school to Georgia high school, and then his first game at that Georgia high school with a step-up in competition, he went off for 229 rushing yards and 51 uh receiving yards and two touchdowns. And one of those was on the ground. One of them was through the air. And uh, that's pretty legit. I mean, the guy looked like he was running with some authority and was just absolutely nasty. Um, also, Justin Benton, a defensive lineman that a lot of guys are looking forward to getting on the team. He seems to be um, an absolute steal for West Virginia University. He could be, the, you know, uh, a guy to keep an, aim on, keep an eye on for the future of our program. He's also out of Georgia. I know he – I think he had uh, almost double-digit tackles. He had a couple – tackles for a loss and I think one or two sacks too. So, you know, um, as the year goes on, I'm definitely going to try to keep up with our high school recruits, let you guys know how our guys are doing and the guys we've already got committed, some of the guys we're looking at. But, uh, yeah, just some guys to be excited about already showing up for their senior year and showing out. Absolutely excited to hear about it. I think Jordan Louie's got the potential to be an absolute uh, hidden gem of a running back for West Virginia that can really help in the future. Uh, Steven, any thoughts on the Mountaineer football recruiting news before we move on to uh, Mountaineer football news? Mm, nothing any anything specific i'm just i'm excited to get into some pit some pit talk i know i know i can tell you're over there <laughs> itching, itching, man. <laughs> well speaking of uh talking to football mountaineer football news uh really that's the main topic of hand of course is the kickoff of the 2022 football season uh, i'm going to be playing at pit Acrisure stadium seven o'clock p, p seven o'clock p.m eastern time um, night game there at Pittsburgh, September 1st. going to be televised on ESPN. College game day is going to be there. Immense storylines. That's the main thing as far as football news, especially for West Virginia. Uh, besides that, nationally, uh, conference realignment continues to be a topic at hand. And, you know, the big thing about that that's come out is, of course, the Big Ten's uh, TV deal with Fox, uh, CBS, and NBC. $7 billion. So going to be tough to match, you know, really uh, for the Big 12 and Pac-12 and these other conferences kind of puts them on notice and going to have to make some moves soon, and we'll see what happens uh, there moving forward with conference realignment. And that, of course, will kind of be an ongoing storyline throughout the season as far as uh, football news is concerned. But as far as the Mountaineers, it's just about time to kick off the 2022 season and bring back the backyard brawl. So that's the big topic at hand. That being said, gentlemen, we'll wrap up the Mountaineer news segment, and let's dive in. Let's get into the pit preview and the backyard brawl's return. All right, gentlemen, so the Backyard Brawl returns for the first time in 11 years. Not only that, but the game features two former USC quarterbacks, Keaton Slovis for Pitt, JT Daniels for the Mountaineers, facing off against each other with their former offensive coordinator, Graham Harrell, now the offensive coordinator for the Mountaineers. That's just some of the storylines that I can think of off the top of my head. There's many more. That being said, what are y'all's opening thoughts on this matchup with Pitt, whether it be about those storylines or anything you want to – take off and dive into a little deeper floors open. Uh, this game can't be understated. I think that uh, um, it's going to be really important for both programs. I think this could be really a program defining game for West Virginia and Pitt. And, you know, it's really going to kind of determine the trajectory of both of these team seasons. You've got Pitt playing um, for the first time. I think I heard today since uh, the eighties, maybe it's been a while since Pitt's played two FBS uh, power five opponents in their non-conference schedule. Um, they are lucky enough to get us both at home with us and Tennessee. But, you know, if they win uh, against WVU, then they're going on and that builds some steam uh, in their game against Tennessee. And, you know, Pat Narduzzi's had them breaking every game with the 
instead of saying ACC championship, like they said last year, they're saying national championship. So this is a pit team with a lot of high expectations. And they're expected to come in here and really uh, have a breakout year for them or a big year for them, even though they lost a lot of big pieces. On the other hand, you know, WVU, we're, we're looking to finally get the ball running under Neil Brown. What a better game to do it in than, you know, the resurgence of the backyard brawl. You know, whether we win, lose, or draw, it's going to be an absolutely electric game to be at. And I, I'm just pumped to be there, man. Yeah, I'm very excited about that myself as well. I, you know, I've never seen a backyard brawl in person, so this is going to be my first one getting to see you in person, you know, live. And in, so thrilled about that, you know, just itching, starting to get that feeling in the pit of your stomach, a little nervous. That being said, Stephen, I know you're as excited as anyone and that you're nipping at the bud to talk about this game. So what does the return of this rivalry mean to you and just kind of your initial thoughts on the backyard brawl coming back and this matchup of these two teams specifically? Yeah, well, you know, most of the people in this part of the state get, you know, real jacked up about Virginia Tech and West Virginia. And, and you know, I do too. And it's it's a very emotional rivalry for myself. But as I've gotten older, you know, that one has has gotten to be more of a, I guess you could say, a more friendly rivalry. Uh, because, you know, I have ha- I've had family members attend that school. It's not as aggressive whenever, you know, I attend that game as much as it was when I was a kid. However, you know, the pit game... I've never, I've never attended a game and had a friendly interaction with a pit fan. Every game that I've ever been to, right, has been yelling back and forth, arguing. You know, I, I can remember what, in 2007. I was a freshman in high school. I wasn't a kid, you know, a small kid, but I was still a kid, and I can remember, you know, not being yelled such nice things by older people that were pit fans. And so at a young age, I was taught like this. I do not like Pitt, and I will never like Pitt. And so this one's, this one's a very, this one's the definition of a rivalry in my mind because, you know, even if we were to win to Pitt and then or lose to Pitt and then win every other game in the season and go to a you know a really great bowl, I would still be like, in the back of my mind, I couldn't enjoy it, you know, near as much. Because we couldn't, we didn't beat Pitt. That would, that's always going to eat at me. That the years that I've watched us lose to Pitt, even as a young kid, I can remember that was the one game that mattered the most. Yeah. And it's like people say, you know, there's a lot of rivalries in college football and there's only one brawl. And that's the way it feels. You know, it just absolutely feels like it's going to be a slugfest going into it. And, you know, what you're talking about, to put a, a strong word onto it, you know, I don't usually like to use the word hatred, but there's a lot of hate there. There's, there's no love. It, there's no love between these two teams, and that's that's really what's gonna you know that's what drives us to sell out, you know, Acushire Stadium. That's what's gonna make us drive 75. You know, for us right now, you know, I'll be driving seven hours. You guys will be driving three uh, four hours yourselves. So you know, we're gonna travel for that though because it's it's what we're here for. It's what we do, and this is the game that you know. If there's any game that a Mountaineer fan's gonna get up for, it's it's this one. I grew up hearing you know countless stories about you know about playing pit and and everything from my my grandfather and you know you hear about why it's such a great rivalry and what made it such a great rivalry is you know west virginia's you know had to fight to make a name for themselves in that regard and so that that's the biggest thing that's made it a big rivalry and i think that's why it's called the backyard brawl in a sense is because you do you know you have sibling rivalry literally not not anymore so much but you know, you still have that in a sense because you see it all the time, you know, players transferring from each one of the schools to, to the other or at least visiting and recruiting to both schools. That happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely competing and recruiting constantly. I mean, you look at a lot of the kids who like, were recruiting last now, right now and last year, you know, we're right there in the top, top list with Pitt. I mean, usually it's one and the other right there side by side. You look at Rodney Gallagher – probably one of our most exciting recruits that we've had in a while, you know, definitely the, one of the highest anticipated uh, recruits in a while. And he was right there, you know, looking at Pitt, obviously, you know, he's always been a WVU fan and he's been going to games since he was little, but you know, you're going out there and still in one, you know, that he's right in the backyard of Pitt and West Virginia. A lot of Pitt fans like to, you know, that's something we used to uh, use to uh, give a reason as why we got Rodney Gallagher, but he was right there at Pitt's backyard too. And they like to overlook that, but you know, Going in there, stealing one out from Pat Narduzzi had couldn't have felt good to him. Yeah, I think that's the one thing about 
rivalries, no matter what. I think the hatred is there, especially between the rosters. Like right now, the end of the game hasn't been played in 11 years, but the players, I think, are still familiar with each other because they're recruiting a lot of the same areas. So you just have to, as far as the rivalry aspect, hope that the coaching staff has, has done a, not, a good enough job instilling, you know, what this rivalry means and teaching it to the to the players. And I think as West Virginia's case, as far as we can tell, it appears that Neil Brown and the staff has done so. I'm sure that, uh, you know, Pitt has done similar, I would think. But uh, it's hard to tell for sure. Um, that's a little bit of our opening thoughts about this rivalry in Pitt. And so we're going to dive deep now a little bit into the matchups and stuff. But before we do that, I wanted to remind everyone, if you're watching on the video side on YouTube, please hit the like button. That helps this video's performance and help our future video's performances as well. Hit the hit subscribe the button if you haven't already. <laughs> helps us, helps you, helps get more of this Mountaineer football content out to Mountaineer Nation. And as always, one of the best ways to support us is by hitting the merch store. Link to that in the video description down below always. And if you're listening on the audio side, it'll be in the show notes. We're on Anchor. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us Just search Country Roads Webcast and be sure and subscribe us and share. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating. That really helps us grow there. That being said, gentlemen, let's dive a little bit deeper into this matchup with Pitt and some of the numbers. I'm looking at a little bit of the profile here. Um, I dug into PFF uh, a little bit. You know, this is a lot of this is going to be based off of 2021 numbers, of course, because this is the season opener. But uh, looking at Pitt, their PFF power ranking heading in to 2021 is 14th out of 130 teams. Uh, They have their projected win total set at 8.5. Chances to win the ACC, 14.7%. And their strength of schedule is 60th in the country. As far as West Virginia, their power rank 40th out of 130, projected win total 5.9. Chance to win the Big 12, also 5.9%. And their strength of schedule listed at 21st in the country. Um, let's break it down first, gentlemen. Let's talk about the pit offense against the West Virginia defense and look at it as that matchup uh, first. Whoever wants to take it, uh, go ahead and jump in and give your thoughts on this West Virginia defense taking on this uh, Pitt Panther offense to open the season. Uh, well, this is really exciting for me because I think that, um, you know, while the Panthers return all of the players on their offensive line, um, I really think that West Virginia defensive line is going to be probably the most important factor, I guess, in, in the game uh, because I think that they're they're going to be the ones up front. I don't think that they're going to pass the ball an overwhelmingly you know, amount. I don't think Pitt will because – you know, you haven't heard a lot of positive things about Keaton Slovis. I think that they're conf- they're confident that he can sling the rock, but if he they're not confident that he knows the playbook that well, then I would imagine they're going to keep it on the ground a lot. So I think that our defensive line is going to play an important role in that game. Um, so I look for Dante Steele's to be to be doubled a lot. Um, uh, I, so I think that uh, Taj Austin, Jordan Jefferson, a bunch of those guys really need to to step up and and show what we've been hearing about their their improvement in their game um, and then likewise um i you know i don't think we'll see a lot of like i said of them going to the air but i think that uh that the secondary needs to step up and a lot of these young guys and a lot of these pieces that we really don't know about yet you know i'm i'm intrigued to to see our secondary because if this really is the best unit defensive unit that we've had since neil brown's taken over then this is going to be that's that's going to be the the matchup that I want to see as much as I want to see the West Virginia offense. I'm really intrigued to see how our defense performs against what I think will be a pretty good offense. Um, you know, the more I think about it, it was a depleted ACC last year. So their ACC championship, while it is a good year, you know, I've I've taken that more into a you know account since the season prediction roundtable. I, I guess so. I'm not saying that dilutes a lot of what I think Pitt will be, but I, I think that the defense will will have a good day against the Panthers. I'll just say that. I like it. I hope to see it. I got faith in the West Virginia defense uh, for sure. Uh, Bradley, what about you? And then I'll dive into some uh, numbers as far as the offensive and defensive matchup. Yeah, so I think that obviously, especially the way football feels right now, not just in college, but also NFL and the way it's felt for a while, is that it really is going to come down to the trenches, you know, the guys up front doing the dirty work. But in this game particularly, I think that, like Steven said, Pitt's going to run the ball, and they're going to run the ball a lot, and they've got a running back that's coming back, and he's got some moxie, and he's, uh, um, you know, they've got one guy that's going to carry the load, but they've got a few other backs behind him. And so I think that one of our – a big question mark that we sometimes gloss over 
um, because some of the transfers we got is our linebacking core. And, you know, we got Lance Dixon back there who's supposed to be – he looked really good last year. Uh, I mean, for most of the year last year, he's a really highly rated recruit that transferred in from Penn State. And, uh, you know, we're really going to get a look at Lee Kapova and how good he's going to be. And he's got a chance to really make a name for himself early, um, stepping up in there and being able to stop the run. And, you know, a lot of that's also going to re- rely on the defensive line, you know, not getting blown out of their positions and being able to hold that front. And so, you know, I think that's where people like uh, Jordan Jefferson, I mean, he's a lot bigger than Akeem Mesidor was. And though Akeem Mesidor was an elite athlete, always being able to kind of, you know, make his – make his presence known, Jordan Jefferson's going to be a hard man to move down there. And so when I'm looking at this game, I think that our, I think that our defensive backs are going to do pretty good against Keaton Slovis and their wide receiver setup that they've got. I think that they're really going to kind of clamp them down. And so it's really going to be on our defensive line and our linebackers to kind of bow their back and not let this running game beat us down. Cause if we go out here and we see their running game really start to pick up steam, then I'm going to kind of be worried. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think Pitt's really going to try. And run the ball, and that kind of just speaks to uh, them bringing in uh, Frank Signetti this year, uh, Mark Whipple, uh, moving on from Pitt. And uh, we've heard some things come out about that, you know, um, kind of I think Narduzzi wants to play, you know, different style, you know, rely on defense, complementary football, run heavy, and him and Whipple kind of didn't ma- mesh that well. But, you know, what Whipple wanted to do was throw the ball, you know, 80 90% of the time, and it worked out good for him with the weapons they had with Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison. But, you know, you've heard Narduzzi come out and kind of, uh, disparage uh, Mark Whipple a little bit this offseason and say this year they're going to play a little bit more the way they want to play and rely on the run. And so I fully expect that. But that's also going to be a transition, you know, for Pitt, and not only for Pitt, but also for Keaton Slovis, who is used to an air raid scheme. So that might take some adjustment. We'll see how that goes. They might start off a little slow. West Virginia defense also, though, in turn, may start off a little slow themselves, breaking in a lot of new pieces, almost a completely new secondary. I have a lot of faith in them, but it's going to, you know, maybe be a little bumpy there. But speaking of that secondary, you know, Charles Woods is a guy that we've been talking a lot about and and for right reason, for good reason rather, and rightfully so. Last season he took over as the starter in week eight, and from then on he was the highest graded corner, according to PFF, in Power 5 football. In the final four games of 2021, he didn't allow a single yardage in coverage while he also intercepted a pass and broke up two others. PFF grade of 83.0, 10th in the country, and a catch rate allowed of 38.5, which was fourth best in the country. So uh, Charles Woods I got a lot of faith in. But, you know, there's going to be some tough matchups. I know Pitt lost Jordan Addison, but they do bring back Jared Wayne, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. And they also brought in Mumpfield, uh, Kanata Mumpfield, I believe is his name, transfer from Akron. But as Bradley said, I believe the main battle in this game is going to be in the trenches. And that's what concerns me. Um, it, 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 it's positive and negative for West Virginia. You know, when we flip to the other side, we'll talk about that because Pitt's D-line is really strong. But in turn, I think people uh, – don't realize Pitt's offensive line may be a little bit of a weak point because last year they struggled in run blocking. And this year, of course, we're going to know that they're going to try and rely on the rely on the run more. And as a matter of fact, last year in the PFF grades, one of the only, I think only three categories West Virginia outranked Pitt in was pass blocking, run blocking, and coverage. So West Virginia's offensive line, and we know it was much blind, was higher rated than Pitt in both pass and run blocking. Um, looking at that matchup in the trenches, guys, what are your thoughts about this Pitt offensive line going up against this West Virginia defensive line? And do you think if West Virginia stops the run, it really increases their chances, and do you think that they'll be able to? I mean, that's definitely something that surprised me. I saw it pop up on Twitter the other day, talking about line efficiencies and what you just brought up, the fact that, um, you know, Pitt, even though a lot of people like to praise their line, our offensive line actually outperformed them in pass blocking and run blocking last year, which, you know, is kind of the opposite of what you've been hearing people preach is that West Virginia, you know, their line should be better than it was last year, but that they gave up a lot of sacks last year. But when you're looking at numbers like that, it really kind of shows you, you know, that maybe our weak points weren't necessarily with our line. You know, maybe it was more tight end. Maybe it was more running back. Maybe it was more quarterback. And so, you know, that's where – um you see a person like Dante, we got a good chance to really make an impact down there with him and stuff like that. I think that our big trouble is going to be that our starting four defensive linemen just get wore out. Cause I mean, they're going to be running the football is a hard game, man. And it's, it's really where, where on your body for offense and defense. And so, you know, Dante gets tired. Like you just said, he's high up there in our stats uh, and a defense that's, you know, he's four or five points above, um, our average defensive player. So he's really bringing up that average that you were just talking about. So the plays that he takes off, are we really going to see, you know, a major drop off, you know, when we have a person like Sean Martin come in or, you know, anybody else is going to step up in there behind, uh, 
with Dante Seals. And so that's one thing that I'm really going to be concerned about going into it is the fact that, you know, our defensive line should be a strength, but how deep does it go? Uh, Steven, any further thoughts on the West Virginia defense versus the pit offense or uh, specifically the matchup in the trenches between the pit offensive line and the West Virginia defensive line? No, I think you guys touched on all the, uh, all the main points. Uh, I think that the only thing I guess I could, could add to that is, you know, Dante Stills, I touched on a minute ago, he's going to get doubled. You know, that's a for sure thing. He's going to mm-hmm. be, he's going to be double, maybe even triple teamed at times um, with a lot of the schemes, especially if they're going to be running the ball at a high rate. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying he's not going to be make plays because we all, we all know that he's going to make plays, but, but I really think that it's up to to a lot of these other guys and and having, you know, a, a good amount of depth, which we do on that defensive front. Um, and I think that's that's really going to come into play a lot in in that game. Um, that being said, we'll flip it over to the West Virginia offense versus uh, the Pitt defense, which is, in my opinion, the matchup that I think will probably decide this game. But before we do that, would be. Um, remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about special teams for a second. Uh, gentlemen, I know West Virginia kind of struggled on special teams last season a little bit. Um, 2020 was a bit more of a strength. Last year was a little bit more of a mixed bag. I think West Virginia, though, made a concerted effort this offseason, not only to get better on offense, but also improve special teams, uh, whether it be bringing in Parker Grothaus for kickoff specialists to try and get an advantage there, or the Australian punter and Oliver Straw, as well as some guys that can help in the return game. And then, of course, uh, Anthony Del Negro possibly to help maybe try and block some kicks and some punts. Uh, but what are your thoughts uh, special teams wise? And do you think that this is an area that West Virginia could maybe exploit to have a secret advantage in this game? What do you think, Steven? Yeah, I absolutely think that. I think so. This is going to be probably the most uh, excited I've been for a special team unit for a long time. Um, I think Anthony Del Negro with, um, you all the talk that's been going around about him and how he's able to get up and block, you know, field goal kicks at a rapid rate the way he does. Um, I, I would be willing to bet that there would be at least one of those in the game. I think that um, with this being I like it. the hype that surrounds this game and everything like that, I think the Neil Brown's going to probably pull something out of his, you know, bag of tricks in, in that regard. I would imagine so. Yeah, I think first game of the season is a potential good spot to see special teams play like that. But also, I'm not counting out a play in the return game for West Virginia. You know, according to reports, the kick return has been looking pretty good in practice. Uh, Sam James back there again. I'm thinking, you know, either Jeremiah or Davis Mallinger may be back there too. And West Virginia has some speed back there. And uh, I think they could, you know, potentially break one. And I'd love to see it, especially, you know, something I'd love to see something happen on punt return. West Virginia hasn't returned a punt for a touchdown since. 2011 so you know long overdue and how right would it be that the last year we played Pitt was also 2011 so it'd be pretty uh poetic for it to happen in, in the season opener in this one um that being said let's get into the the decisive matchup in my opinion I don't know about you guys but I think that this is all important one and that's the West Virginia offense versus the Pitt defense so West Virginia should have a chance to attack through the air if they can give JT Daniels enough time, because that's the issue you run into with this pit team, their strength being their front seven, specifically the defensive line, that's going to be very deep and has had one of the best pass rushes in the country. Kalaja Kansi is an absolute monster, 84.7 defensive grade, 84.1 pass rush grade, over 80 in both those categories for each of the past two seasons, which has put him top 10 nationally among defensive linemen both of the past two seasons, and he's back as well as about eight other men along that. Uh, pit defensive front that's really hard to block. And so giving JT Daniels time is going to be key, I think. So looking into the trenches, West Virginia's offensive line, are they improved enough? Can they do enough to give JT Daniels enough time to hit some passes downfield? And can they make enough room in the run game to keep Pitt honest? What do you think, Stephen? <laughs> yeah, I think that West Virginia's offensive line is going to be massively improved from what they've been and what they've been talked about. And I think they've heard all the rumbling in the fan bases and from everything that's been said about them. Um, you know, and how they're not, they're not the right unit and they don't mesh well and they don't, they haven't been able to get the job done. And, you know, there was a lot of things and a lot of factors that went into how they, they jailed together and played last season. And, you know, like Bradley touched earlier, I don't think that, um, they were as bad of a unit as what the numbers really show. I think that, you know, we were in a lot of games, that we should that we lost that we should have won last year and our offensive line a lot of times you know there were some mistakes i I get that but you know you got to think about doug nestor having a club on his hand and you know we're having a problem you know we're having a 
you know, mix in pieces at certain spots because things are going down later in the season. Um, but to have all all five guys back on a line speaks volume. So people can say what they want about Pitt's defensive line all they want to and how they've got everybody back and they're the best uh, best unit and this and that in the third. But I, I think that uh, when you have all five guys coming back like West Virginia does, they do, and an offensive unit as a whole that wants to prove themselves, I think that they're going to be very hungry uh, to make a name for themselves um, against a, a pretty good defensive line. And I think it's going to be a statement game for that unit. And what better way to do it than to open the season on the road like that against a ranked opponent? Yep, against the top 10, 15 opponent, you know, predicted to be, you know, one of the favorites in the ACC again, you know, with a defensive line that's been, you know, top in the country the past two years. No better way to come out and show how improved you are and how much you want it and how much uh, this unit's going to gel together than to come out and do it against Pitt in that first game. But, uh, Bradley, what do you think? Is West Virginia going to have the chemistry and are they going to be able to improve enough to take on this Pitt defensive line that's uh, really highly touted? Yeah, I mean, realistically looking at it going into this, I think that we've got the offensive line. I think we've got the chemistry to make it work. And I think that we've got the pieces in place to win. But I really do think that they're going to take a bit of a lick early. I think that that's something that, um, you know, Pitt's going to come in with their ears pinned back and they're going to come, you know, here in that stat all year that, you know, West Virginia gave up the most sacks in the Big 12 and they're going to come out hungry and eager to kind of capitalize on that for what they saw last year. Looking at the silver lining of that, I think that the best way to beat that is to let them pin their ears back, let them come at you. And I think that we've got the weapons to make quick plays happen. I think that JT Daniels is great to get the ball out of his hands early. I think that that's what he's kind of forced to do at Georgia because, you know, SEC, that's the way they play. And, you know, JT Daniels was just kind of, you know, he had to throw the ball short routes, quick, early, good releases. And with Graham Harrell's offense, you're just attacking space and grass. As far as that advantage goes as well, I think JT Daniels has an advantage because the Pitt secondary, I think, is the weakest part of this Pitt football team. And if West Virginia, you know, with Graham Harrell's plan is going to be to attack through the air, which I think it will be for this game and it should be, and, you know, maybe through the season lean a little bit more pass heavy as well, it could benefit West Virginia as well. When you look at the team's top three corners uh, ratings, according to coverage rating by PFF, West Virginia's third out of their top three is actually higher than Pitt's first uh, rated corner because Pitt's top rated corner is MJ Devonshire with a 71.3 rating, then Marquise Williams with a 67.9, and Demari Williams with a 65.7. For comparison, West Virginia's top three rated corners in coverage Charles Woods 87.2, Andrew Wilson Lamp 76.1, Rashad Ajayi 72.4. Got to be a big point of emphasis for West Virginia. I think one thing we've heard them talk about this offseason is them having players that can play multiple positions on offense, whether it be C.J. Donaldson or Jeremiah Aaron or Sam James, who can both play inside, outside. Because I think one key for West Virginia is if they can, they can go no huddle and if they don't sub, Pitt can't sub. Pitt has a really deep defensive line. But if West Virginia can keep the same people on the field and just use multiple packages and run up tempo and force Pitt to keep the same defensive linemen on the field, they can maybe tire some of them defensive linemen out and be able to make plays in the pass game. Because like I said, I like West Virginia's mat- receivers matched up against Pitt's secondary. It's just a matter of uh, being able to keep keep Pitt's defensive line and pass rush at bay long enough to be able to make those plays, I think, is going to be a big key in this one. And speaking of keys in this one, we'll get into key to victory in our predictions momentarily. Before we do that, one more reminder, if you haven't already, hit the like button. Helps this video's performance, helps future video's performance. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Helps us, helps you, helps get more Monday football content. Out to Mountaineer Nation, follow us on Twitter at WVU Country Roads, Facebook and Instagram, Country Roads Webcast. If you're listening on the audio side, be sure and share us around. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating. That helps, and we appreciate you guys for tuning in to the Country Roads webcast. Before we get into the key to victory, there is one little tidbit I thought was kind of juicy. I wanted to see, get your guys' thoughts on. I don't know if you guys got to catch it or not. I believe it was mentioned on three guys, right? Um, earlier in the show, I know I talked about it briefly. Mark Whipple, Pitt's offensive coordinator last year, loved to throw the ball 80, 90% of the time passing. Broke pit passing records, you know, one of the be- most successful pit seasons. But him and Narduzzi allegedly didn't mesh very well. And Narduzzi kind of gone out of his way to disparage the offense and the way they chose to play and his offensive coordinator's um, inability, I guess, or uh, didn't really choose to run the ball as much as he would like, I guess, and play complimentary football as much as he would like. And to go along with that, one interesting thing three guys before the game pointed out, I thought, was – that offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple, that Pat Narduzzi has kind of been disparaging, 
Uh, do you know who uh, he who coached Neil Brown in college? Who was his head coach? It would be Pitt's offensive coordinator last season, Mark Whipple, that Pat Narduzzi's been uh, kind of disparaging some in the media. So one thing they said is, hey, you don't you don't think that possibly Mark Whipple would ever, you know, call up Neil Brown and say, here's what Narduzzi likes to do with his defense. You know, he's been talking about me. I got something for him. I don't know. You know, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's an advantage for West Virginia, but it definitely my, my ears perked up and intrigued me a little bit. I thought that was an interesting angle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Hopefully that happens. Stranger things have happened. Yeah, I got my fingers crossed that, you know, something like that does happen. But, I mean – it's not that far-fetched when you look at, you know, Pat Narduzzi has been calling, kind of calling out last year's offense and that he didn't like how it was ran and called and stuff. And Mark Whipple was Neil Brown's college coach, and they do have a relationship. So who knows? But I don't know, just something to think about. That being said, we're going to get into our keys to victory and our score prediction. <laughs> who wants to go first and give us the first uh, game prediction score of season five of the Country Roads webcast and of the 2022 Mountaineer football season. Gotcha. I'll jump on it then. So All I right, think the key to victory, I think the key to victory, and uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, this right here, the name on the shirt, West by God, Virginia. And what I mean by that is I think that when it comes to this game, it's, it's all about the rivalry, man. This is, you look at these two teams are almost, you know, identical in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of the same changes, a lot of great defensive line, returning offensive line, new quarterback, new system-ish kind of uh, DBs are a question mark. And you look at it and you think, you know, what's going to make the difference? And I think the fact that we've got three West Virginia guys on the offensive line and two West Virginia guys on the defensive line that have probably been preaching this game, you know, ever since ever since they came onto campus probably – and you look at it and you think what's really going to make the difference in this game is who's going to get up for it, who's going to come in there, and who's going to play the hardest. And I just have a hard time believing that Pitt's going to be ready for this game. I was listening to their uh, listen to the 365 guys today, and he said, you know, I think that they're starting to understand the rivalry a little bit. And I just don't feel that same way with our team. I think that our team knows what this game's about. I know that they know we don't like Pitt, and I think that they know um, that this isn't just a game to the Mountaineer fans. You know, this is something that – you know, Mountaineer fans care a lot about, and I think that they're taking it very seriously. So when I'm looking at what's going to be the key to victory in this game, it's going to be playing for the name on the front and the name on the back, and that's West Virginia, and that's, you know, our team. So uh, I think that that's going to be the key to victory score. I think that it's going to be um, West Virginia gets out early. The game kind of stalls. Pitt scores a couple in the middle. It's going to be hard to stop that running game. But I think that it's going to be kind of a – kind of a blowout towards you. And I think it's going to be 35 to maybe 21 is where I'm going to stick at. Wow. And I think that that's a pretty good score. Okay. Let's go. I like it. I like it. I'm going to follow that up, Stephen. I'll let you uh, bring it up to the tail end here. Uh, Cause I got to say my key to victory, you know, Bradley, I love the optimism. I think pride's uh, something you definitely got to factor in for West Virginia, especially like, as we said, the state names being involved. But as far as my key to victory, I've touched on it briefly. And I think protecting the passer, is the key to victory for me in this game. When you look at Pitt last season, Pitt lost two games in the regular season. In both of those two losses, they had a 46.0 coverage grade against Western Michigan in their first loss. And in their second loss to Miami, they had a 41.9 coverage grade. In every other game, all 10 of their wins, they had at least a 57.0 or higher coverage grade. So to me, that tells me the recipe for beating Pitt last year was being able to protect the passer long enough and being able to keep that pass rush off you long enough to get some plays off in the pass game. And the two teams that were able to do that, Western Michigan and Miami, exploited the weak pit secondary. So I think protecting the passer is key for West Virginia if they want to be able to win this game. And if they can do that, they've got a great shot to be able to do so. But in looking at that, I think for West Virginia, they have a solid offensive line and there is – one weak point, and I think we all know that one weak point. You know, last year it was left tackle. This year it's kind of flipping over. They switched wide mom over to left tackle, so it's kind of the right tackle. And to me, that's kind of the standout area, and I think Pitt's going to attack that area, and they're going to know that as well as we know that, that there's one weak spot on that offensive line, and that's kind of going to be what they're going to attack, especially, you know, Mike Laughlin probably not going to be available for this game, so that's another extra blocker that you're going to miss. You know, you're going to have Palindi, but you could use that second tight end as well. And to speak to the fact of West Virginia's 
offensive line, you know, having a little weak point in it. I, this is kind of just a way to point that out uh, for me that I looked at is when you, you take out the uh, right tackle of West Virginia's offensive line, their, their average offensive line grade bumps up a lot. With the right tackle involved, their pass blocking grade is 72.0. If you don't involve that right tackle, that pass blocking grade goes all the way up to a 76. Run blocking grade is 69. If you don't involve that right tackle in the grade, bump it all the way up to a 72. So, I mean, clearly that's the weak point. For West Virginia, I think a possible remedy could be to move Doug Nestor out to right tackle, slide Jordan White in at right guard. If they do that, it could alleviate. But with the offensive line standing the way that it is now with that weak spot, I think Pitt's going to be able to attack that. West Virginia might be able to get some plays off, but I don't know if they're going to be able to do it enough. Hate to be, you know, the downtrodden one, but that's why I wanted Steven to follow me up because hopefully he brings us back some high hoops. But I think that pass rush is going to be a lot to deal with and that defensive line is going to be a lot to deal with. And I think West Virginia, uh, you know, breaking a lot on defense. Pitt may be able to hit some plays early as West Virginia still filling things out. So I'm going to have to sadly say I got the Pittsburgh Panthers winning this one just barely 28-24. to Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that the West Virginia defensive line is going to play a a really pivotal role in this one. You know, I think that they're, you know, Pitt is going to try to pound the ball and pound the ball and pound the ball. So I think that that's going to be my key to victory is how well that West Virginia's defensive line can penetrate that offensive line and get back there and, uh, and, and slow that offensive attack for Pittsburgh. But I think that that West Virginia will be able to do that. I think they have the pieces in place to be able to to get back there. And I also think that our secondary is going to be able to pick them off whenever, you know, they get frustrated and try to go over top. Um, so I think it, it's going to be a defensive battle between these two teams, but I think that West Virginia is going to come out on top. I've, I've got a uh, West Virginia winning 24-21. I don't think it's going to be too high scoring of a game. I like it. I like it a lot. I hope you guys are right. And I hope I'm wrong, uh, you know, yet again, but – the only reason, you know, to me, my my prediction is solely based on the offensive line. You know, if the offensive line is improved and really, really good, I think West Virginia definitely can win this game. But just as the offensive line stands right now until I see it with my own eyes, you know, i got to give Pitt the advantage there with the defense that they have. Not trying to be too pessimistic, just trying to keep my golden blue glasses off a little bit. But um, I definitely think West Virginia can win this game, and I, and I hope that they do. So don't, don't uh, hate me too much, uh, listeners and viewers. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being realistic after the way we were last year. So that's true. That's true. Hey, and I, and I did predict us to win in the season prediction roundtable. So, but you know, this one I you know got a chance to look at the numbers a little bit more and sit down and go at it. And I tried to go with my head more than my heart. My heart says West Virginia is going to win. I've got a good feeling about the game, but you know, in my head, got to just call it like I see it. I guess. That being said, gentlemen, any final thoughts about Pittsburgh before we transition into our final segment? Play a couple rounds of Mountaineer multiple choice before we get out of here. And, I mean, I'll just be excited. Maybe we can see some fans up there. I think it's going to be – like I said, it's just going to be an exciting game. Whether we win or lose, I'm just going to be ecstatic to be up there and witness it. Absolutely. Steven, anything else you want to add on Pitt? Nope, I'm good. I'm just ready to go to the game. Excited. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, at this point it feels like, you know, you could talk as much as you want to. Like, I feel like talked out about it. So at this point it's like I just got to see it, you know. Yeah, I've been talking about it for months and stuff. Just the the build up is insane, and the storylines are immense. And I think it's going to live up to the hype. Going to be an electric atmosphere, and just hopefully the Mountaineers come on out on top and uh, eat shit pit. That's the what I'll end it on, I guess. But let's play some Mountaineer multiple choice, boys. Uh, Bradley, I believe you won last. Uh, you get to pick. Do you want to go first, or do you want Stephen to go first? Yeah, give it to me. All right, so going to jump into Mountaineer multiple choice here. Uh, Bradley will take our first question. If you haven't ever uh, been a part of our game show here, that we'd like to close out the podcast with Mountaineer multiple choice. I've got a Mountaineer multiple choice trivia in here with some uh, multiple choice questions. Uh, WVU football related mainly right now in the 10. Uh, the way it goes, I ask a question. A uh, person gets a chance to answer it. Correct answer is worth three points. If they don't know the answer, get it incorrect. Other player has a chance to steal, and that's worth five points. We'll play a couple rounds and see who wins. Bradley kicks us off, so let me see what we got here for the first question. First question of season five. (laughs) All right, let's see. All right, here we go. This is a nice one. I have the record for most receptions by a running back in a single season at WVU with 49 receptions. Who am I? Is it A, Noel Devine? B, Mickey Walzak, C, Robert Alexander, or D, Andrew Bowie? 
All right, give me give me the list of four again. Give me the, give me the choices. Noel Devon, Mickey Walzak, Robert Alexander, Andrew Bowie. Oof. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I'm gonna say Andrew Bowie. Sorry about that. Uh, technical difficulties on the host side. He muted himself like a dumbass. Um, that answer is actually incorrect. Stephen, chance to steal. The three options are Noel Devine, Mickey Walzak, and Robert Alexander. The question is the record for most receptions by a running back in a single season, and it is 49 receptions. My heart wants to go with Robert Alexander, but I think maybe Noel Devine. Oh, incorrect. The cat gets this one. Uh, neither one of those were correct, actually. It was actually B, really? Mickey Walzak. Steven, it's your question. No points on the board so far through one round. The WU record for most tackles in a season is 190 tackles. Who owns this record? A, Steve Dunlap. B, Grant Wiley. C, David Long. Or D, Reed Williams. Mm. Grant Wiley. Ooh, Grant Wiley is incorrect. Bradley with a chance to steal now. 190 tackles in the season. Who owns the record? A, Steve Dunlap. C, David Long. D, Reed Williams. I'm going to go with Reed Williams. I think it's D. Oh, it is actually A, Steve Dunlap. Wow. Yeah. Another oldie uh, went on to be defense coordinator for the Mountaineers. All right. Back to Bradley. No points on the board still. All right. I have the longest touchdown run in West Virginia history. At 96 yards, who am I? A. Noel Devine, B. Robert Walker, C. Pat Randolph, or D. Danny Bugs. That is A. Noel Devine. Incorrect. Oh. Noel Devine is is close. He did have a 90 plus yard. Yeah, run. He I think it was 92. But a wow. 96 yard run, the longest in West Virginia history. Stephen with a chance to steal. B. Robert Walker, C. Pat Randolph, D. Danny Bugs. I have no idea. I'm going Danny Bugs just because I like the name. <laughs> oh, Danny Bugs. Great guess. Also incorrect. Another wow. stump. My goodness. Steven, we're getting tough question going in this time, at least. He asked relevant questions that anybody knew. We might get some of these right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, well, that's the funny thing is like when we first, like a lot of the ones we did the past shows, it was a lot of easy questions. I guess down deep in the tin, we got some of the harder ones now. Well, I thought so. that one was easy with Noel Devine, but apparently, you know. Yeah, no, yeah I think no. he had a 92-yarder against yeah, Syracuse. Four yards too dumb. It was close. I knew he had, had a 90-plus yarder. I knew he had a tough one. All right, Steven. Wow. Back. No tight end in WVU football history amassed more receiving yards than me. I own the career record for receiving yards by a tight end with 1,328. Who am I? A. Lovett Purnell. B. Mark Rowell. C. Anthony Beck. D. Adrian Moss. C. Anthony Beck. Incorrect, actually. Bradley with a chance to steal again. Most career, highest career receiving yards for a tight end, 1,328. A. Lovett Purnell. B. Mark Rowell. D. Adrian Moss. I'm going to go with D. Adrian Moss. Adrian Moss is incorrect, actually. <laughs> the answer is B. Mark Rowell. All right. I heard any of this. <laughs> We're going to get some points on the board here. As soon as we get a, a rail where we both, you know, at least one of you gets one right, we'll call, we'll call it. But uh, <laughs> moving on now. Next question, Bradley, back to you now. The record for most receiving yards by a freshman in one season at WVU is 682 yards. Who owns this record? A. Danny Bucks. B. Tavon Austin. C. Bradley Starks. D. David Saunders. Hmm. I feel like the Tavon Austin is just a, it's just a trick. I feel like I'm getting lied to there. So read me all the options again. Danny Bugs would be A. B. Tavon Austin. C. Bradley Starks. D. David Saunders. Okay, I'm going to go with D again, David Saunders. Ding, ding, ding. We have a correct <laughs> answer. David Saunders, most freshman receiving yards at WVU with 682. Bradley, you started. So, Steven, you definitely got a chance here to tie it up. Here we are. I hold the WVU record for most all-purpose yards in a single game with an unbelievable 572 all-purpose yards in one game. Who am I? 
A. Steve Slayton. B. Tavon Austin. C. Stedman Bailey. D. Pat White. <laughs> yep, Tavon. We all know. Damon against Oklahoma. So tied up three to three. We'll do one final round to try and break the tie. Hopefully we break it. If not, we'll have our first tie on Mountaineer Multiple Choice. Bradley, it's back to you. I broke the WU season record for passing yards when I threw for 4,385 yards in one year. Who am I? A. Will Greer. B. Mark Bulger. C. Geno Smith. D. Major Harris. I'm going to go with C. Geno Smith. Ding, ding, ding. Another correct answer. So now we're on a roll. Three straight correct answers. Steven with a chance to answer to tie it up. 6-6, and we will just call it a tie if you get this right. If not, we'll give Bradley the win. The WVU record for most tackles for a loss in a season is 19. Who owns this record? Is it A, Johnny Dingle, B, Bruce Irvin, C, Canute Curtis, D, Julian Middle, Julian Miller, excuse me, most tackles for a loss in a season with 19? I know that Canute Curtis has the most sacks. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm getting tricked with Bruce. I, I want to say tricky question. You said Canute? I believe I'm wrong, but I want to say Canute. Ah, no, it's not Canute. It is actually, surprisingly, probably the least likely you were to pick on that list. Johnny Dingle holds the record for tackles <laughs> for loss in a season with 19. Wow. Dingle. Yeah. I didn't, so, I didn't know that. Dingle there Dingle. it is. Bradley with a 6-3 to three victory. Three straight correct answers right there was the only uh, correct answers we had through that round of Mountaineer Multiple Choice. Some difficult questions in that one. Bradley, you're able to squeak out the win. That being said, it is your chance for a victory speech. Yeah, I just want to thank myself for being amazing and being able to guess just a little bit better than Stephen could. That being said, gentlemen, I think this has been a successful first preview and prediction show for 2022 uh, for the return of the backyard brawl we went through it all we've talked off topic babble we've talked mountaineer news football basketball and recruiting we've talked about the matchups we've gave our keys to victory we've gave our predictions we even played a little mountaineer multiple choice which we haven't got to do in a few episodes so i hope you guys enjoyed that being back that being said gentlemen any final thoughts before we close out season five episode 130 of the country roads webcast eat shit pit beautiful Exactly what I was going to say. Eat shit pit indeed, then. Well, that being said, be on the lookout for our Backyard Brawl reaction show. Hopefully the Mountaineers start off the 2022 season. Want to know, either way, we're excited. Mountaineer football is back, and we're ready to cover it all here at the Country Roads webcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at WVU Country Roads, Facebook and Instagram, Country Roads webcast. Like the video on your way out if you haven't already. Hit the subscribe button. And we will cheer on the Mountaineers in 2022, and we'll be here to talk about it with you all along the way. For Bradley and Steven, I'm Jordan Cruz. And until next time, let's go Mountaineers. If you really want to know, then come on, let's go. Take a stroll down those